Hey folks, welcome to episode 10 of the Empowering Ability Podcast. Welcome to the Empowering Ability Podcast, where we get you and your loved ones impacted by disability, the information needed to live a full and meaningful life. Now here's your host, Eric Gall. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Empowering Ability Podcast, episode 10. Today we have two guests sisters Jade and Mallory Ryan, uh, who are the founders of the Danceability Movement. And these two sisters have combined their love for dance with occupational therapy, and they're helping people with a disability enjoy dance. And uh, with my conversation with Jade and Mallory, they tell their story of how the Danceability Movement came came to be and, and what they're doing. And uh, they also share their business model of incl- inclusion, which I think is pretty cool, um, which uh, other listeners and families and entrepreneurs will really enjoy. Um, They also share uh, what occupational therapy is and what an occupational therapist does. So uh, I really feel that that provided a lot more clarity for me. And they share the vast benefits that their customers are receiving from dance and participating in their program. So here's Mallory and Jade. Hey, Jade and Mallory, welcome to the Empowering Ability Podcast. Hi, Eric. Hi. Thanks, Eric, for having us. Yeah, my pleasure. How are you doing today? Good. Great. <laughs> good, good. So we have Jaden Mallory Ryan here joining us from a company they've created called the Danceability Movement. So you're probably the best uh, people to describe what you're doing. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about your story, how it all got started and what you're up to. Uh, sure. Um, so this is Jade here. So I guess growing up, I was uh, the youngest child in a very busy household. So I knew early on the importance of kind of making myself heard and fighting for what I believed in. Um, I was always known as the carefree, spirited child fighting for equality. And I was an energetic kid and followed in Mallory's footsteps. She's my older sister um, and started to take dance classes at our community dance studio like she was. Um, The dance studio became a second home to us, and the community that we built there became our second family, really. Um, So dance gave us an outlet to pour our energy into and to develop our skills and confidence and to just be ourselves. It was a place where we both felt we belonged. We belonged at school. We belonged at home and at the dance studio. Um, Our childhood was an incredibly fun and special time, and so sharing it with uh, Mallory, my big sister, was always a highlight in our, actually our first duet that we had kind of foreshadowed our future um, as the song was Sisters Are Doing It For Themselves, which kind of led into our future as entrepreneurs here. (laughs) Together. Yeah, as I grew up, I continued to keep dance as a solid foundation in my life. And I taught at our home studio in Milton, Dance Elite. Um, And then I also captained the Wilfrid Laurier competitive dance team when I was in university. Um, And then I also worked at a camp called Zajac Ranch in BC for kids with additional additional needs and medical conditions. Um, And it was here where I was able to embrace my inner child and just let other kids just be kids. So I saw how often these kids were faced with challenges and forced to grow up early in life. But at camp, they could just paint their faces and mine. They could eat spaghetti with no hands and just really be themselves. Um, And the smiles on their faces said it all. So 
this time made me realize how fortunate I was. And I decided that I wanted to fight for kids' rights to just be kids. So I thought about how great it would be if I could continue to live out my dream childhood with other kids who maybe wouldn't have had the same opportunities that I did. And around the same time, Mallory, uh, she was my role model, my best friend. She was kind of my inspiration in life and was starting her master's in occupational therapy. Um, She sent me a link to a video about a little girl who had cerebral palsy. Um, And the mom, with the help of an OT, created a ballet class for dancers with CP so that she could dance with her twin sister on stage, just like my sister and I had done for so many years. So I knew the benefit um, and families being able to participate together because I had that personal experience and the unique bond that it created for my life. So I wanted to share that experience uh, with everyone. And Mallory and I kind of both realized that there were kids who had differences who weren't able to access dance in their communities um, because they were being told that they didn't belong. Uh, Throughout the start of our journey, we met many families who shared their stories of their children being asked to leave dance classes because of their differences and the studio just couldn't meet their needs. And uh, the families who had given up on dreams of their daughter being a little ballerina when they were told that she would never even walk. So it was through these stories that our story has really um, evolved. We saw our purpose and knew that uh, we had a reason to wake up each morning and dance was a way for that to happen. And we could continue to kind of dance our way through life together. So we created the danceability movement and I soon followed in Mallory's footsteps and I became an occupational therapist. So we both went to U of T, did the master's program. Um, and once we were both OTs, we really kind of took this project on the road, I guess. <laughs> So it's Mallory here. I'll just explain a little bit more about what occupational therapy is because a lot of people don't know. So as occupational therapists or OTs for short, it's our job to learn about other people's occupations, which are basically the everyday activities that people do as individuals um, or in families or with their communities to occupy their time and bring meaning and purpose to life. So it's to enable them to engage in these activities so that they can continue to live meaningful and productive lives. So we've literally found a profession that in its very definition allows us to create our dream job and bring dance into the lives of everyone. Um, Some people have called us, you know, humanitarians for the work that we do with the dance ability movement, but we're simply fulfilling our roles as OTs in society. Um, And the idea of being a humanitarian has to do with being concerned with improving the happiness of others, um, which I suppose is true for us, but we also don't agree sometimes with the definitions um, that indicated also has to do with the alleviation of suffering because the dancers we teach are really not suffering from a disability. They live with that disability and it's just part of who they are. Um, so in our danceability movement classes, the dancers perform on stage like any other dance class. Um, they're part of the recital. They're part of the studio. And through this, they begin to show everyone that they are dancers too. They have dreams too. Um, and they could be and should be included in the community. Um, so for my sister and I, for Jade and I, it's really simple. From day one, we've defined our values, um, basically that each child is unique, every child deserves equal opportunities, and all children have the ability to dance. And this is what we believe and what we really teach our whole um, volunteer team at the Danceability Movement. Um, and that's how we welcome dancers of all kinds into our program. So our dancers are not defined by what they have, um, but rather by who they are. Uh, They have a sense of meaning and purpose when they dance and they're redefining who they are for others so that others don't see them as a child with autism or a child in a wheelchair, but rather as a dancer first. 
And we've heard over and over again from parents that dance is sort of the one thing that their son or daughter actually asked to come to, unlike any other therapy or activity that they've tried. Um, And all we're really doing is connecting with them on their level and allowing them to express who they are without asking them to change or be someone else. So we try to change how we teach them um, so that we can teach them in a way that they can learn and feel successful. And we sure have a lot of fun (laughs) doing it because you have to get very creative and uh, really get down to their level. And um, all of it sounds so simple. And yet still so many families are being turned away from these meaningful opportunities in their um, community. And inclusion really is everyone's responsibility. So we have to stop sort of placing people in boxes and start to move outside of that box into the community where inclusion needs to happen. Uh, We need to see people for people. Um, so we, we get really frustrated when people ask us, well, what's wrong with your dancers or what do they have? Um, we'd rather you talk to us about how they've continued to motivate and challenge um, us to think in new ways every day and um, how we've been able to share our love of dance with just other dancers, basically. So, so far, our movement has reached over 250 dancers and 180 youth volunteers across um, the GTA, um, but there's still a long wait list and more to be done. And right now it's just Jade and I sort of heading up the danceability movement team. So, And so what we do is we partner with existing dance studios. So right now we're affiliated with six studios across the GTA um, and we train their dance instructors to, to offer a more inclusive class. And then we uh, recruit and train volunteers. So typically the volunteers are high school age students looking for their community service hours or dancers at the studio. So we take them as young as 10 years old if they show an interest in a maturity level that they can um, handle the responsibility. And like Mallory said, it's really everybody's job to, um, to help with this inclusion piece within the community. So we're kind of developing this community within the dance studio where we're advocating and educating all the people involved, whether it's the dancers themselves, the volunteers, the families, other people at the dance studio who take, you know, more typical quoted uh, classes there. Um, And it's just a chance for people to realize that, yeah, these are people too, and they're dancers too, just like everybody else. So that's kind of our, our model at this point. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. I, I love that. So thank you for sharing your story. And it's awesome how um, both of you, Jade and Mallory, are following your passions and you've found ways to do that through occupational therapy and dance and combining those things and and, um, really um, helping individuals uh, participate in in dance and activities that you've enjoyed um, throughout your lives. So I love that. And I also love the values that um, that you carry with inclusion and everybody's unique and everybody has has capability um, and just helping them bring that out and uh, and leveraging your experience with dance and occupational therapy to do that. So um, it's beautiful. I love it. Um, Thank you. We love it. We're too. very lucky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. And I also really like uh, the model that you're working on. So you're working with existing dance studios. You're not trying to create uh, a dance studio just for individuals um, with a disability, right? You're creating, as I understand it, it's um, a class or a program within existing dance studios. Could you talk maybe a little bit more to that? Yeah, as much as possible, we really believed that inclusion was a huge um, value for us. So as much as possible, we try to include the dancers as part of the 
studio itself. So rather than segregating them and doing our own thing on the side, we really want to showcase to the studio community and through that, um, the community at large, that these people need to belong in their communities where everyone else belongs. So a lot of them have siblings that that dance and they need to belong in that same space. Um, so we started it basically at the studio that we grew up dancing. We had the opportunity to sort of do a trial class and we were teaching other classes at the studio. So it was quite easy for us to just adapt the class again, as Jade described through bringing in volunteer buddies so that every dancer that came in was paired with a dance partner who could help um, adapt the, the class, whether they needed more of a challenge or to break things down um, or just to have that social familiar face each week. Um, and so our role now with all of our new studios is going in and, and showing that it's possible within their studio for these kids to belong. Um, and as Jade sort of described, we are supporting the studio through providing an occupational therapist who can understand and uh, evaluate sort of each of the family's values, the kids' needs, and then helping with that volunteer um, partnership piece of it as well. And we're kind of shifting like the culture of dance um, and really the perspective that a studio has. So growing up or for more, say, professional dancers, when you go into a studio, it's often a closed door. So the parents are sending the kids in um, and the parents aren't involved much in the actual classes per se um, and it's up to the trained instructor to, to carry out the class whereas in this case we know that families are an important piece to the puzzle and they are the ones that know their kids the best and especially when society isn't really educated on how to support individuals with different abilities it's the occupational therapist's role to kind of be that mediator and to connect that piece. So to bring in the families and consult with them and say, you know what, we want your feedback and we want your opinion. We need, you know, the strategies that you use to help educate these youth of tomorrow to be, to set up that more inclusive environment. So we have an open door policy. We encourage the families to give us feedback and to be involved in their child's um, dance experience because we want it to be a positive experience uh, for all. And, and their experience may look different. Some families, you know, want their kids to learn dance and want them to have that technical aspect. And some of it, some of them are just, you know, wanting to be out in the community, to get a bit more social time, uh, to meet new friends kind of thing. So that's where, the occupational therapist is able to identify what those goals are for each, excuse me, each specific family and really hone in on that for the, to create that experience. Yeah. And it goes just beyond the dance classes too. So in terms of the studio, we, as we've kind of gone through the years and opened up to different studios, we've, you know, been met with different challenges and, and different things arise where even just around scheduling of a dance recital and maybe these kids, you know, can't stay up super late. So we need to have them scheduled earlier on in the show or just things like that where it's just a simple conversation with the host studio owner and a lot of the times they're very understanding and accommodating uh but you know what yeah we want to make sure that this is a good experience for all and because their their job is to you know share their passion for dance with everyone too so it's been really nice when we find those good that good fit with the host studio um and they're on kind of the same page and have the same goals and values that they want to share dance with everyone too so 
Mm-hmm. I love that. And the great thing about the model that you've created and you're working on building out is it's applicable to other things, other arts or crafts. It's not just yeah. dance, right? Mm-hmm. It could be yoga or it could be martial arts or, um, you know, it could be classes at a gym or something, right? So um, I think it's fantastic to spread what you're doing because other people can pick it up and apply it to the niche or the craft, their craft, right? Yeah, for sure. We definitely recognize that too, especially in terms of the leisure occupation. So oftentimes, uh, I think as Mallory mentioned, occupational therapists address self-care, productivity, and leisure. Those are kind of our three big things that we're taught, you know, in school to kind of focus on. But often the leisure aspect is left out. And especially when you're dealing with kids and youth, like that's a huge component of their life. So not just, you know, with dance, but anything else that they're participating in. Uh, So you're right that this model can definitely be translatable to other other avenues as well. And I think it's hugely empowering for families too, when they're made a part of the team and invited into a space and you're actually using their knowledge and values to um, allow their child to participate. And that really empowers them. And that carries over into other areas of that child's life. The family might feel more confident going into a school meeting, you know, knowing what their child's capable of and maybe understanding that they do have knowledge that they can share with with the team. um, And that deserves to be heard. Because really, it does take a village, I think, to raise any any kids. So we're really trying to take that approach. Yeah, I love that mindset. And out of curiosity, what's some of the feedback that you're getting from families that um, have children participating in uh, the danceability movement? Um, so, I mean, one parent feedback that comes to mind fairly recently, we had a, a dance competition um, and we have a performance crew where we create a dance with people of all ability. So we include some of our danceability dancers, some of the volunteers who are dancers, um, siblings who are dancers at the studio too. So everybody is welcome. They all pay to take this class. Um, so it's, you know, on an equal grounds kind of thing. And anytime we have outreach from the community that are looking for a performance at their event, this is kind of the crew that we draw on uh, to bring them to that. And we uh, just this morning woke up to a parent email um, <laughs> letting us know that you know, it was great. Everybody's talking about how well the dancers did. Um, and she wanted to comment and, and point out that it was not only the dancers, but the practice that she was watching and how Mallory and I were changing our teaching style to accommodate and motivate and bring these kids to their fullest potential was really, you know, where it started from. And she kind of recognized that and took a moment to step back and was like, you know what, it stems from somewhere. Um, so it's it's really from those people that are, you know, creating that inclusive space and leading the classes and facilitating. We need those kind of mentors and models to show what it's all about. And I think Mallory and I have recognized that that kind of extends into the volunteer role as well. And we've heard that feedback from the volunteers and even the volunteers' parents. So, you know, that's going another another step there is not just the families of the dancers involved, but now the volunteers and their parents and saying, you know, they've been motivated or have learned something from us as well. So that's kind of another step there. And yeah, I think a lot of the parent feedback has really just been around the approach that we take the, the ability for their kid to participate with a volunteer. So they get to 
um, have somebody that um, they become friends with and they can trust. And a lot of these families are so appreciative of having someone um, that really takes an interest in their in their kid and getting to know who they are and what they're all about. Um, so, yeah, a lot of the feedback we get is definitely around our volunteer system. And um, just in general, they say, yeah, it's just it's just your approach, Mallory and Jade. It's you, too. It's the way you combine your passion and share that with others. So it's really just about having fun and <laughs> being positive. And, and we're trying to bottle that up so we can yeah, bring it out to sure. the world and share it. Yeah. And I think it goes back to that being open and to having that feedback from parents as well. And, you know, we've learned we, so much from listening to families and taking their feedback and yeah. Yeah. And just being upfront and honest with them that we're not perfect either. And this is a learning experience for us and we know and value their opinions. And again, they're the ones that are dealing with the system in a larger society perspective. And so, you know, if they have a little piece of experience that'll help us, then, then that we welcome that. So. Yeah. So smart. Uh, uh, I mean, to in- include the whole family and I mean, a, a parent is going to know their kid best, right? So why not tap into that knowledge? Um, yeah, it's, it's makes sense. So, um, with a value, um, that you mentioned earlier of, of inclusion is one of the goals of the danceability movement to help, um, dancers with a disability um, participate in the, you know, standard classes that are available for dancers? Right. So I think that um, is very dependent on the family's goals. So we've had families come in from the beginning and say, you know, this is what my ultimate goal is. I want them to be able to sign up for, yeah, your standard uh, dance class with the studio kind of thing. Um, And sometimes it helps to have they use us or our program as kind of that bridging or transition step. So having a year with us or, you know, a few years in our program so that they get that, you know, a bit of extra support in the dance class setting. Uh, They learn some basic skills. They learn the expectations and kind of setup of what a dance class looks like, like the structure of it so that they know kind of going into another class, what that might might look like just builds on their confidence a little. Um, So yeah, definitely. We've seen kids come through our program and then in the next coming years have joined in a standard dance class. And and we encourage that. It's not like that's, you know, an ultimate goal for that family. So yeah, we want to be able to support that. Um, And then we do, you know, we say we keep lines of communication open if the parents ever wanted to consult with us or bring us in for, you know, their standard class to help support that teacher or whatever might be needed, then we would offer that service as well. Um, but then some of them, it's interesting too, will may start off with that goal, but after coming to our program and realizing what it's all about, then they may see like, well, wait, my kid, you know, really likes this and really likes the aspect that they have the volunteer support, um, or whatever they've noticed that community feel to it. And then they may shift their, their goals and stuff. So it it goes both ways for sure. I think it really I don't know, when we've been reflecting recently, we've really tapped into this idea of belonging and and why dance was so meaningful to us is it was a space that we always belonged to. So I think it depends on the the dancer. And when they come in, you need to make them feel like they belong in that environment. And so starting out with um, a danceability class where we can make them um, feel like they belong and really welcome them and everyone understands that they do belong there, then the possibilities are really endless from there. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I, I'm sure that that sense of belonging transfers outward so outside of the dance studio right and we've heard that's I mean another piece of feedback from parents is that now they're able to talk about 
their experiences at dance in their school setting or, you know, when they're out with friends or with family, like it gives them something to be proud of and it gives them something to feel confident that they are a dancer. And it's like shifting their identity. And now, again, it's not placing the focus on their disability or what their diagnosis is. But like Mel said before, now it's, well, I was at dance class like my sister was or whatever. And they have that new kind of common ground for sharing stories with their peers and families. Yeah, yeah. I'm a dancer. It's a valued role in society, right? People understand that and the capability that goes along with that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so maybe if we can switch, uh, gears for a minute and talk about the benefits of dance and the benefits that your, um, customers are getting from participating in the danceability movement. Mm -hmm. So again, when we started this, we really saw, I think the benefits more so as just, um, the benefits that we had experienced growing up through dance. Again, it was a space that we belonged to. It developed, Um, obviously our dance technique and our physical skills, but also confidence and our identity and all of those things, our friendships, community. um, And so we wanted to share that with others and, you know, welcoming people of all abilities into a space and through building this community, we've just been amazed at how many layers I think of um, benefits there has been. Um, So obviously I think a lot of people initially think of um, people maybe with physical limitations who can't walk or can't, physically move in the same way. So you immediately think of, oh, well, this dance would be great for balance and coordination and all of those, you know, strengthening range of motion, all of those skills definitely are addressed through dance. And it's in a way more motivating environment than going to see a a therapist maybe once a week in a private clinic. So we have had families ask, you know, for copies of the music that we use and the songs that we use so that they can continue getting their kid to move at home in these different ways. Um, so it's a lot more fun to, you know, raise the roof and just like repeat arm stretches or whatever several times. Right. Uh, so music has been highly motivating and I think that's really played into a lot of the benefits. Um, but even beyond the physical skills, again, through building a community where people are understanding that, you know, we can communicate with people in ways other than just using our words or our language that people communicate through gestures, through actions and Every, everything we do is usually a way to communicate with someone. So we're really tapping into these kids being able to express who they are, having someone understand that. And then we can work on those social skills, developing friendships. Um, so a lot of times within class, you know, some kids are working on their social skills with peers their age. So we're encouraging a lot of high fives. And we always do like drum circles where we do our names and we get to learn everyone's names. And we really work on those social skills, friendships. Um, and we've seen a lot of those relationships develop outside of the dance class. So then now they have friends they invite to their birthday parties and they can hang out with outside of dance as well. Um, and then Jade touched on already the whole identity piece and that confidence and how that's really shifting for their, um, their whole like sense of belonging and identity in the community beyond dance. So being a dancer and what, what values that adds. Um, but I think that the confidence piece is really, really huge um, for some kids that. Yeah, like, we've seen walk into the studio in their first class with their shoulders, you know, hunched, hunched over, over looking, not very, looking yeah, up. Yeah, looking very closed off. And, you know, 
clear signs of not confident. And then to the time where they go on stage and now they're beaming and they're smiling in front of, you know, 500 people that are watching in the audience coming off stage, like bouncing up and down, being excited that they did it. And now they know we find that the recital time is often that shift of understanding when they come and join our program for the first time is, you know, they get on stage and realize, oh, this is what it's all about. This is what I've been working on in the class. And now I get to stand in front of all these people, show what I've been working on and that's a huge we've seen a huge uh, shift in confidence and have that feedback from families as well that you know now they're able to stand on a stage but now they're also able to you know speak in front of their class at school and get up and do presentations or you know perform in the school's talent show with their peers and so it again it's that translatable skill that they're getting through the dance program yeah, that's huge that you're seeing those results because um, a family might think that, you know, a dance class would help to improve or provide some health benefits, right? And you, it sounds like you are getting those um, those results and you're doing it in a fun way, which uh, people are enjoying, um, but it's much more far-reaching than that, right? There's the belonging component. Um, a, a big indicator of success, like you mentioned, is... Um, are my class, uh, dance classmates coming to my birthday party? <laughs> right. So that's showing that friendships are being made and, um, and confidence in the classroom and the sense of belonging and inclusion. It's, yeah, it's fantastic. I love it. It's funny that you mentioned like the health benefits to us as an occupational therapist. That is all the health benefits for someone to feel mm. completely healthy and have that kind of well being that we all are searching for, right? Um, it is that sense of belonging. It is that identity, that confidence piece that plays into your overall health. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. So it's expanding that definition of health to overall well-being. Right, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. So, Jaden Mallory, um, if there's folks interested in getting in touch with you either to bring the danceability movement into their dance studio, or uh, maybe it's a family that's interested in participating in, in your program. What's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Um, you can access information online. Our website is www.danceabilitymovement.com. Um, or you can also reach us via email directly at contact at danceabilitymovement.com. Okay. Perfect. Well, it's been a pleasure uh, speaking with the both of you. And I love what you're doing and the difference that you're making in several communities. So thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for this opportunity to speak with you today, Eric. Yeah, thank you, Eric. Yeah, my pleasure. We'll talk soon. All right. Thanks. It was fantastic having Jade and Mallory on the podcast. These are two women fighting for what they believe in, and they're creating a space, actually spaces, where everyone belongs. Uh, these spaces just so happen to be in the dance studio by creating a dance class for kids of all abilities, and I think it's fantastic. So I encourage you listeners to think about Jade and Mallory's inspiring story and think about how you can create more of a sense of belonging in your world. How can you apply the lessons that Jade and Mallory have shared with us and incorporate those into your activities and your environments to create more of a sense of belonging for everyone? 
So next week, we have two friends of the podcast coming on. Uh, one of them is Sylvia Pores, and we're going to talk about support. So Sylvia has been providing support for individuals for well over 20 years and has created her own business. And we talk about how to find and hire support. We talk about the different types of support. And the second guest in this episode is my sister. And Sarah rides alongside me as a special guest to share some of her stories on how she's working with Sylvia to find more belonging and engagement in her community. I'd also like to give a big shout out and thank you to Kitchener Dad, who left us a five-star review uh, of the podcast on iTunes. So Kitchener Dad says, incredible resource. Thank you, Eric, for taking the time to help share these incredible stories and wisdom. So thank you, Kitchener Dad. It's reviews like these that help me know that I'm moving in the right direction with the podcast. So keep listeners, keep these uh, reviews coming in iTunes and let me know your feedback on the podcast so I can make sure I get you the information that you want, that you need, and share stories that you want to hear. Um, also, if you give me a review, it helps other listeners find the podcast on iTunes uh, and helps us get the word out there on this information and these stories. So if you've provided a review already, thank you very much. And I appreciate anybody out there considering uh, to provide a review as well. So that's it for this week. Thank you for listening. And I'll catch you next week with Sylvia Pores and Sarah to talk about support. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Visit us at empoweringability.org for more podcasts and resources to help you and your loved ones impacted by disability build a full and meaningful life.